Happy Easter Sunday, everyone. I hope you're doing really well today. And my hope is that as we gather like this for Easter at home, that you would be encouraged by the message of the gospel and Jesus' love for you today. Now we're going to end with the time of communion at the end of the service. So I want to encourage you, maybe you should just pause this video now and go and grab the elements. Go get some bread, go get some wine or juice, something to eat and something to drink that just represents Jesus's body broken on the cross for your sin and mine and his blood that was shed to wash us clean and make us pure and to bring us into relationship with God. So why don't you pause and grab that and set that up for a moment and then we'll get into our message for today. Good. Perfect. Well done. I'm trusting you did pause and do that. But our Easter series this year has been called Three Days That Changed the World. And we've been looking at Good Friday, Black or Holy Saturday. And today we're into Resurrection Sunday. And the reason we're doing this series is because at the center of the Christian faith is a man and the Easter weekend. Jesus and the events that happened around Easter. And I think for a lot of people, if you were to say to them, what is Christianity all about? What's at the center? Like, give it to me straight. What is core and central to Christianity? They would say things like, well, it's, it's about what you do and don't do. It's about being good and not bad. And kind of connected to that is this list, this understood list of do's and don'ts of the right thing to do, you know, and the wrong thing to do. And listen, I could give you those lists now. I get that. I believe in that. You know, there's certain ways that we as Christians live out the way of Jesus and the way of his kingdom. But those things are not at the center of our faith. Those things flow out of our relationship with Jesus. They're a byproduct of our relationship with him. But at the center of Christianity is Jesus and the events that happened on the Easter weekend. And this morning, what I want to do is I want to share out of a very well-known Easter passage, our passage for the series, 1 Corinthians 15. And I want to look at the most central and most important things to what it means to be a Christian and help you to see how this is relevant for your life. So let's read this together. The scripture will come up on the screen. Now, I want to make clear for you, brothers and sisters, the gospel I preached to you, which you received, on which you have taken your stand, and by which you are being saved, if you hold to the message I preached to you, unless you believed in vain. For I passed on to you as most important what I also received, that Christ died for our sins, according to the scriptures, that he was buried, that he was raised on the third day, according to the scriptures, and that he appeared to Cephas, Peter, and then to the twelve. Then he appeared to over 500 brothers and sisters at one time. Most of them are still alive, but some have fallen asleep or died. And then he appeared to James, then to all the apostles, and last of all, as to one born at the wrong time, he also appeared to me. Here in this passage, in these eight verses, we see Paul writes out a proclamation of the gospel, what it is, and also the right response to the gospel. And really, that's what I would love you to leave here with today. What, what I'd love you to take away. What the gospel is and how we are called to respond to it. And in verse 1, I love the way Paul starts. He basically says, Now I want to make clear to you the gospel that I preached. And that's really Paul's aim and mine today. I want to make the gospel clear to you. I want to help you know what it is and what it isn't and what it teaches and the hope that is found in it and what it calls us to or asks of us. 
And I don't know if you're like me at all, but uh, these are my sunglasses and I never clean them. I probably wear them every day when I'm outside, when I'm driving around, and they get dirty and smudged quite quickly. But I kind of see this as a virtue, you know, I, I don't see that. I put them on and I feel like I'm adaptable. I can deal with dirty kind of smudgy glasses. But then what happens is my wife Michelle will say, hey, can I borrow your glasses? And she'll put them on and she'll be horrified, devastated. She'll say, do you never clean these? You can barely see out of them. They're so smudged. They're so dirty. Let me clean them for you. And what Shell does, she slowly cleans the lens and she does a little spray and then cleans them and removes all the fingerprints and dirt and dust and smudge and cobwebs and whatever else is on there. And when I put them on, I go, you're so right. They were really dirty. They were really smudged. I can see so much more clearly through them now. And I think we can be exactly the same with the gospel. You know, we, we can be unclear about what the good news of Jesus really is. And we can see aspects of it. You know, even today, if you're not a Christian or, or you're not part of a church, you probably know some of the different elements. There's Jesus and there's the cross and there's God and there's a resurrection and there's forgiveness of sins and maybe a few other pieces. But we can know parts of it or see parts of it, but not see the whole picture or not understand how everything connects together or why that's important or even how it's relevant to our lives. You see, the gospel must be clear to us. And really, that's what I want to help us with today. One of my favorite short definitions of the gospel is this. The gospel is the good news that God our Father, the Creator, out of His great love for us, has come to rescue us from sin, Satan, death, and hell, and to renew all things in and through the work of Jesus Christ on our behalf, to establish His kingdom through His people in the power of the Holy Spirit. And this is for God's great glory and our profound joy. Does that make sense to you? Can you see that clearly? Is the gospel clear? And most importantly, do you believe in the good news of Jesus? Now, I think one of the main smudges on the lenses of our faith and understanding of the gospel is often what we think about it. You know, do we see the gospel as good advice or good news? Do we see the gospel primarily as what we do or what God has already done for us in the past? And if what you've been taught or what you've experienced in the past has been predominantly focused on what you do, predominantly good advice of how to live a good life and please God, let me clean your glasses for a moment. Let me remove those smudges to help you to see the message of Jesus more clearly. Because what we see in this passage in 1 Corinthians 15 is not good advice, but an announcement, good news that is shared about something that doesn't need to happen in your life, but something that has happened in the past 2,000 years ago in Jesus, through his life and death and burial and resurrection, through what he did for you and I. And we see it written like this, that Christ died for our sins in accordance with the scriptures, that he was buried, that he was raised on the third day, according to the scriptures. And that he appeared to Cephas, then to the twelve. Then he appeared to over 500 brothers and sisters at one time. Most of them are still alive, but some have fallen asleep. And then he appeared to James, then to all the apostles. You see, this is not good advice about what we should do. This is an announcement of good news about something that has happened, something that has been done for you already. And these verses are 
believed by most New Testament theologians or scholars to not be something that Paul has written, but to actually be an early gospel summary that the churches knew really well. A couple of years after Jesus' birth, it seems that to help people to clearly see and understand the gospel, you know, for evangelism and, and for shaping people as Christians, this was written as a bit of an early Christian creed. And it would be shared regularly and memorized and known in the church. People would share this. You know, that Christ died for our sins. That he was buried. That he was raised on the third day according to the scriptures. So that there would be a clear understanding about what the gospel is and isn't. And today as we look at that early Christian creed, we are remembering and celebrating Resurrection Sunday, the day that Jesus rose from the dead. And this is really important because we're being reminded today that Jesus didn't just die on the cross. He wasn't just buried, but in a supernatural act, he was powerfully and gloriously raised to new life after lying in a tomb. And here in this uh, this creed, we read this. And most importantly, it says that he was raised on the third day. Now, that's the kind of phrase that we can kind of throw away. But the reason I want to highlight that is it shows us that Jesus' resurrection was an actual event with a timestamp. Like, you know how in factories and many places, workers come in and they kind of clock that they're in and then they clock out at the end of their shift or their work day. That's what's happening here. You know, Jesus rose on the third day. It's timestamped. It's a moment that you could mark off in your calendar. This is the day. This is the hour when Jesus historically and literally rose from the dead. And what we see here and what Paul is writing is that this is not a myth. This is not just a moral story to encourage us to live well or to live a certain way. This is not a metaphor or an allegory talking about a new kind of life that is to be had. No, Jesus was a historical figure who lived and had followers and traveled around and preached and healed the sick and performed miracles and was crucified on an Easter weekend 2,000 years ago. And was buried. And then on a real day that you could mark off on your calendar. Rose from the dead. And Paul writes about this. Not as if it's a story or a myth. But as history. And not ancient history. For Paul when he wrote this. This is years or just like decades after Jesus had died and rose again. This isn't ancient history in the past. This is recent history for the people that are reading this. Kind of like us reflecting and thinking back on the terrorist attacks of September 11th or thinking back to 1994 and our country's first free and fair democratic elections. You know, these are moments in recent history that happened that have changed our lives and changed the places that we live. And here Paul's writing about something similar, except it's the greatest moment of history in the world. He's writing about the resurrection of Jesus as an actual historical event that happened on a real day 2,000 years ago. And I love that Paul doesn't just put it out there like a good journalist or historian, but he also gives us a list of all, and it's it's a lot, all of the people who maybe had seen Jesus before, but they definitely saw him after his crucifixion and death and burial. They saw him and touched him and spoke to him and listened to him and smelled him. And Thomas even put his finger kind of in the holes in Jesus' body from his crucifixion. These are people who literally saw the resurrected Christ. This wasn't like a weekend at Bernie's thing. Pass him off as alive for a few days and then we can preach this message. No, Jesus literally rose from the dead. And Paul says over 500 people who most were still alive at the time of his writing. For 500 people saw him in the flesh, saw him risen from the dead and can attest to the truth that he was resurrected. 
And Paul is saying something really important to us. Because I know some of you who are watching this today, you wouldn't call yourself a Christian. Maybe you're skeptical. Maybe you're exploring. But Paul is saying to us here, you don't need to take a blind leap of faith here. You know, a terrible bit of advice to give to someone who's exploring the faith is to say, just kiss your brains goodbye and believe. You know, that, that is something you would not do in the rest of your life. Why would you do it with faith? Why would you do it with the most important questions of life? That's not faith, that's stupidity. So what Paul says here is, listen, I'm sharing the message of Jesus, but I'm not just sharing it. I'm telling you there is evidence. There are a lot of people who saw him before his death, who watched his crucifixion, who saw him be buried, and who saw him after he rose again. And this is a group of over 500 people. It's not just a few friends who are trying to trick people for some reason. Now, Paul says, if you don't believe what I'm saying, go and explore. Go and interview the people. Go and check out the evidence for yourself. You know, on Resurrection Sunday, we, we really are dealing with two hard-to-refute facts. The first is the empty tomb. What do we do with that? And the second is the fact that so many people claimed to see the risen Christ. Now, listen, for us 2,000 years later, we can't meet up with any of those 500 people and have coffee and ask our questions and hear about their experience of Jesus. We don't have that opportunity and that evidence. But if Christianity just might be true to you, if you're exploring it today and saying, oh, I'm not sure where I land, isn't it worth some time exploring the claims of Jesus, exploring what the Bible says about him, exploring what it says about the hope of Christianity, to see if maybe this gospel could be true. One writer and thinker that I love is named C.S. Lewis. He's written some famous children's books called The Chronicles of Narnia, which we're reading to our daughter right now. He was also an amazing apologist, helping people to understand Christianity. And this quote struck me so hard a few years ago. He says, Christianity, if false, is of no importance, and if true, of infinite importance. The only thing it cannot be is moderately important. And I want to say, I believe that today, you know, if Jesus is who he says he is, and if he rose from the dead, then his message is everything. But if Jesus wasn't resurrected, then we're just playing games. We're wasting our time celebrating him today. Christianity can't just be moderately important. It's either all or nothing. And I want to say, if you're watching this today and you're not a Christian, my advice to you would be, why don't you have an honest moment of prayer with God? It doesn't have to be long. You can just lay it out before him, tell him where you're at, and just say, but God, if you're real, the things that Grant is saying, if the things that the scriptures say, 1 Corinthians 15 say, if they're true, would you open my eyes to see them and believe them? Would you reveal Jesus to me? I'm open. <laughs> I just have doubts. I have reasons to not believe. Would you help me to know this Jesus if he really is the savior of the world? And then ask some Christian friends about him. Attend church for a while, read the Bible, pray a little bit. And I believe God would open your eyes to see that this is the truth. Because if the message of Jesus is true, it's of infinite importance. And if Jesus rose from the dead, we've got to take him seriously. So how do we respond to this gospel? Well, as I've said already, this isn't just good advice for us that we put into practice in our lives, that we do it and then God will be pleased with us and we'll be good enough in his eyes. No, this is good news. And what this shows us is the great length that God has gone to, to bring us into a relationship with him, 
to reconcile us to him, to meet our deepest needs, to, to give us salvation in Christ. So what is our response? Well, Paul writes at the beginning of this passage that it's a message you received on which you have taken your stand, by which you are being saved, if you hold to the message I preached to you, unless you believed in vain. You see, the message of Easter calls for a response. Now, I think it would be terrible today, and not just because I'm a preacher, but if at the end of this message you went, okay, that, that was nice, wasn't it? Pass the Easter eggs, let's enjoy the rest of this Easter weekend, and move on as if nothing happened. No, this message is important. It's life and death important. It's the big things of life important. It has eternal impact on our lives and future. And we need to consider it and respond to it this morning. We can't just move on to the Easter eggs and the chocolate. We've got to think, okay, what is this asking of me and how am I going to respond? Well, firstly, the passage says we must receive this message. You can look at your phone and you can get a phone call and you can see who's calling you and ignore the call or think I'll call them back later and not receive that call. You can be given a present for your birthday or Christmas or just a generous gift from a friend and you can even take it from them but just put it down or throw it away or never open it and enjoy that gift, never receive it. I mean, I think of myself, my wife Michelle can love me and be kind to me and be warm to me. And I can just keep her at arm's length, you know, just shut off from her, never receive her warmth and love. What Jesus has done for you and I is a free gift that he offers to us, but we need to come and receive it from him. Secondly, it says they took their stand on this message. And the picture that's in my mind as I read this is they were standing in one place and they got up and they moved to another. They realized that where they were standing was not a sure and solid foundation. So they got up to stand on Christ and his message, which they knew was a sure and solid foundation. And they built their life on top of his message. They took their stand on the gospel. Thirdly, it said they are being saved. We are being saved by the gospel. You see, this is not just a one-time event thing. This is an ongoing process, which means today you can begin the journey of following Jesus, which would be wonderful. You can respond to the gospel, but this is just the start, just the beginning of your journey. See, what Paul says next is that we are called to hold onto the gospel. We don't just receive it and leave it. We hold on to it everywhere we go. This changes our entire life. And for you, if you're watching this and you prayed a prayer once at a youth rally, at a church conference, at a church service, wherever it was, and you responded to the gospel once, and then you kind of gave Jesus a high five and you both carried on with your lives and you said, I'll see you when I die or when you get back, but until then I'm going to do my own thing. Then the gospel wasn't explained to you properly. No, Paul tells us to take hold of and continue to hold the gospel. It goes with us everywhere. We stand on it. We live our life out of it. We are changed by it. And our initial response, which you can make today, is almost like the starting blocks of a race. We say, Jesus, I want to follow you. Jesus, would you save me? Would you forgive me? And we're off. We are saved. But then after that, we continue the race. We work out our salvation. We live this message out. We are being saved. So I want to ask you today, have you responded to the gospel of Jesus? See, some people will hear a message like this and they'll go, well, that was nice, past the Easter eggs, but they haven't responded. They might even hear the message and believe it, but they haven't received it. Have you responded to this message before? And if not, I want to say the invitation today is to respond. 
Easter Sunday, the 4th of April, 2021. Respond to Jesus. Today is the day. Be reconciled to God. Have your sins forgiven. Receive the gospel. Take your stand on the gospel. Be saved by the gospel. And wherever you go, take hold of this message from here on out. I'll end with this. 1 Corinthians 15 verse 8. Paul writes and says, Last of all, as to one born at the wrong time, he also appeared to me. Paul has shared this Christian creed that everyone knew and repeated. But now he's saying, but this is personal to me too. This is my story, my experience, my testimony of Jesus. And I want to say, what is your story when it comes to Jesus? Where are you at with him? See, Paul had been an enemy of the cross, an opponent of Jesus and his followers. He'd hated Christianity and Christians, and now he's encountered Jesus, and he is one of them. He's one of us, and he's probably the most vocal and passionate proponent of the Jesus message in the history of the world. See, Paul hasn't just been given good advice that showed him how to live a good life and how to be a happy person. No, he's received good news from the living God about how to be reconciled to him and have his sins forgiven and live a new life. See, the Easter message has become good news to him and it's changed his life forever. And the good news of Easter is just that, that Christ died for your sins according to the scriptures. That he was buried, that he was really dead that he rose again on the third day and that he appeared to over 500 people and that people like Paul, people today, are still encountering him and having their lives changed by him. And today, wherever you are at with God, wherever you are at in your life, the, the invitation is to respond to Jesus and receive his message today. So how will you respond? How will you respond? We're going to end with a time of communion and worship. And I want to say, you know, communion is a, a moment of contemplation and reflection and, and worship and enjoying Jesus for Christians. And if you today responded to Jesus for the first time, it would be so appropriate and beautiful. The first thing you did was took communion and reflected on what he had done for you and thought about it personally, how your sins have been forgiven, how he died in your place and how you have a new relationship with God through him. So let's get the bread and the cup. Let's take hold of the elements. Let's take a moment to look to Jesus, to reflect on him and who he is and what he's done. Let's thank him for his life and his death in our place and his victory over death and the resurrection. Let's repent of our sins. Let's ask him to forgive us of them and wash us clean of shame and guilt. Jesus was killed on the cross in our place for our sin. He died for you and I that we could be reconciled to God. He was punished for us and his blood was shed to wash us clean and give us a new life in him. So let's eat the bread. Let's drink the cup together and celebrate the good news of the gospel this Easter Sunday.